Thank you for listening to our Emmanuel Baptist Church podcast sermon series by Pastor Sean Cole. Emmanuel exists to display God's glory, declare God's gospel, and to disciple for God's great commission. If you have any questions about this message or would like more information about our church, you can visit our website at www.ebc-online.org. Now here's Pastor Sean. Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And I've got two very embarrassing stories to tell as we start our time together. When I was about eight years old, I went to the grocery store with my mom. And my parents did not smoke, but I had seen people smoke cigarettes, and so I was kind of fascinated with it. And so as an eight-year-old, I went to the, the toy aisle at the grocery store, and then I kind of meandered over where you could get cigarettes. This was back when you could just get them off the shelf. And so I, I stole a pack of cigarettes, and I put it in my pocket, and I, I rode home with my mom, <clears throat> and the whole time I felt so guilty that I stole a pack of cigarettes. And then I went out into my backyard to act like I was going to play, and I found some matches, and I went behind a big tree, and I lit up a cigarette as a second grader. And I took a puff of that cigarette and about puked. And I felt so guilty that I had, number one, stole a cigarette, Number two, smoked a cigarette that I, I threw it over the fence and I felt so guilty. And I don't think to this day I've even confessed that to my parents. So if they're watching this online, mom and dad, I stole a pack of cigarettes when I was in second grade. In seventh grade, in seventh grade, our street was on the last area. This is when I was growing up in Texas. Our street was on the the last area of a housing development. So there was like some fields behind there. And we'd go ride our bikes in these empty fields. And one day I came across a, a piece of plywood and I thought this looked kind of out of place. And so I, I pulled open the plywood and underneath it for a seventh grade boy, you hit the mother load. Um, we're all adults in here. And so children just kind of ask your parents later on, there was a stack of Playboy magazines and other adult magazines under there. And I was like, okay, what do I do? And so I, I, I went home and told my brother, and we concocted a plan, so we went out there with our backpacks, and we basically um, took all of those adult magazines and, and brought them back to the house. And, and, and again, I felt so guilty for looking at those, and I eventually threw those away as well. So as a second grader, your pastor stole a pack of cigarettes, and as a seventh grader, your pastor found a stash of adult magazines. And so those were two situations where I was faced with temptation, and I could not say no. And as I've gotten older, things seem like they haven't changed that much. I think every single one of us struggle with temptation from time to time. Struggle with the pull of temptation in your life. Well, why do I bring up fighting temptation? Why do I bring up this issue of how to resist the pull of temptation. Well, we come to the final request in Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. We've been exploring the Lord's Prayer over the past few weeks, and now we get to the final request. And so let's just read it again. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. 
lead us not into temptation. Let's retrace our steps for a few moments in the Lord's Prayer because the Lord's Prayer is a template. It's an example. It's a guide for how we should pray and what we should be praying for. And so if you look at the prayer, it starts, number one, with worship. It starts with hallowing God's name, glorifying God's name, focusing on God and his glory. That's where the prayer starts. It doesn't start with asking God for things. It starts with a God-centered focus. And then it goes into the kingdom. Your kingdom come. It's a prayer for evangelism. It's a prayer for missions. It's a, it's a prayer for God's kingdom to advance in the world. Then thirdly, it gets to daily bread. It gets to our needs, what we don't necessarily want, but what we need. And then last week, we looked at confessing sins, keeping short accounts with the Lord, making sure that we're quick to confess our sins before the Lord. And so today, we get to the final request. And here's the final request. The main idea is this. Father, please help me to be vigilant. Vigilant. Vigilant means watchful alert, my eyes open to temptation. Now we need to be very careful with the wording here. What does it mean when it says lead us not into temptation? Does God tempt us to do evil? Is this asking God to do something that he doesn't do that according to the Bible. Well, we know that God does not tempt us to evil. We're going to look at this verse twice this morning, but we're going to look at the first, the first issue here in James 1, 13 through 14. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Okay, so God doesn't tempt you to evil. God doesn't lead you into temptation. But each person is tempted when he's lured and entered are enticed by his own desires. It's not praying, God, don't lead me into, into temptation. What it's really praying is, help me be alert. Lord, give me the alertness, give me the sober-mindedness, give me the vigilance to resist evil, temptation. In, in Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew 6, 13, Jesus says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, some translations say delivers from the evil one. It could be Satan. It could be our own flesh. It could be the world. Let me just remind you that there's an unholy trinity. You know what the holy trinity is? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The unholy trinity. Three enemies that are going to wreck your soul that come at you every day. What are the three uh, members of the unholy trinity? The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world's going to lure you. Your flesh is going to want to crave things that are ungodly. And the devil's going to come and assault you. So we need to be vigilant, watchful, that we don't fall into temptation. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 15 through 16, Look carefully, carefully, how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Look carefully how you walk, how you live. It's a prayer asking God to give us wisdom, to be alert, that we don't rush headlong into temptation. 1 Timothy 6.11, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Flee sin, but instead pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love steadfastness, gentleness. 
It's asking God to give us strength to flee temptation. But we tend to have an overconfidence in our ability to fight temptation, don't we? To wage spiritual warfare. We don't realize how difficult it is to really stand against the world, the flesh, and the devil. If you're not alert, if you're not alert, they will come at you with full force. Back in 2013, a guy named William Rockefeller made the news when a train barreling down the tracks in New York City, the Bronx, at 82 miles an hour, killed four passengers and injured 75 people. Why did the train crash going 82 miles an hour? William Rockefeller, the train's engineer, fell asleep on the job and lost control. He fell asleep. Some of the world's worst disasters, if you go back and research them, happened when someone either fell asleep on the job or they were sleep deprived. Chernobyl, that nuclear issue in Ukraine, was attributed to operators working 13 hours straight that fell asleep on the job. Three Mile Island incident in Pennsylvania in 1979 was attributed to someone falling asleep on the job. Some reports have linked the space space shuttle Challenger in 1986, the explosion, to NASA officials not getting enough sleep that day. The Exxon Valdez oil spill in 1989 was attributed to the third mate falling asleep at the wheel. If you fall asleep at the wheel, there's major disasters. If you fall asleep in this fight against sin, there's spiritual disasters. You can't fall asleep in this battle with sin. Think about the logic and the progression of this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. So how does it start? It starts with worship, desiring God's name to be hallowed, focusing in on who Jesus is. Then it focuses on his kingdom. Then it's asking God for your daily needs. And then it's confessing sin. So all throughout this prayer, you're cultivating intimacy with your heavenly father. You're praying. You're spending time. And so when you sin, what happens with that intimacy? There's kind of like a breach. There's kind of like a, a separation. You don't lose your salvation, but when you sin, there's that desire to kind of not want to follow God, to run away. And so the request we looked at last week was confessing sins you've already committed. This request is giving you strength to not commit sins, not yet committed, to not fall into temptation. So this request acknowledges that we're weak, that we're susceptible to temptation, that we need God's power, we need to be vigilant, we need to be watchful. We need to wage warfare. Ephesians 6.11 says this, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Stand. In that Ephesians passage, the word stand shows up four times. It's the key word, stand against the devil. In James chapter 4, verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The word resist is the same Greek word for stand in Ephesians. Resist, stand against the devil and he will flee from you. Stand in that 
day. So, how do we resist temptation? What should our praying look like? What should we be asking? How should we be praying? How do we stand in the full armor of God? So this morning's message is going to be pretty practical. I want to offer you six principles, six truths, and how you can resist temptation. Don't raise your hand, please, but how many of you struggle with temptation? Don't raise your hand. All of us do, don't we? We struggle. So let's look at six principles, six truths, six ways we can resist temptation. We cannot fall into temptation. And this should help our praying in the Lord's Prayer. So here's the first. Understand the foolishness of overconfidence. Understand the foolishness of overconfidence. Now I want you to think about the Apostle Peter for a moment. Think about Peter for a moment. What did Peter do? Peter walked on water. Peter was at the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw Moses and Elijah and Jesus in all of his glory. Peter was one of those guys that was just kind of out there on the, on the front lines following Jesus. But he was overconfident in his ability to resist temptation and stand for Christ. Listen to what Peter said to Jesus in Luke 22, 33 through 34. Peter said to him, Lord... I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. I'm willing to go to you to death, Jesus. Are you sure, Peter? Because the rooster is going to crow three times and you're going to deny me. John 13, 36 through 38. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me. But you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Peter's pretty overconfident, is he? I'll storm the gates of hell with you, Jesus. I'll go to death. I'll go to prison. I'll give my life for you, Jesus. I'm there. I'm your man, Jesus. I'm the one you can count on. And Jesus says, wait a minute. The rooster's going to crow three times, and there's going to be a little servant girl that you're going to be afraid of, and you're actually going to cuss, and you're going to deny me three times. Peter had an overconfidence. He never thought he would fall. He never thought he would even be tempted. He never thought he, he thought he was strong enough. He never thought he would deny Jesus three times. He had an overconfidence. Proverbs 16, 18 says this, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride, I'll I'll never give in to temptation. It'll never never happen to me. I can handle it. Proverbs 28, 26, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. And then 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. The devil's a real enemy. Your flesh is a real enemy. The world's a real enemy that are going to come at you. And we can be very overconfident. I'm never going to fall. 
First Peter 5.8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Do you believe that? The devil's looking to devour you. He's looking to destroy you. The world's looking to allure you. Your own flesh craves things that are ungodly. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceiving. Sin will lie to you. And if you give in to sin so many times, you become hardened. And that passage of Scripture says, encourage each other every day as long as it's called today. So we need to be very, very, very aware that we're not as powerful and confident as we think we are. The moment we think we have it all together, that I'm never going to sin, I'm never going to have problems, I'm never going to be tempted, I can handle temptation. The moment that you have that confidence is the moment that you need to be very careful because Peter had that confidence. So that's principle number one. Realize it's a real enemy. Don't be so overconfident. Realize that you are just as susceptible to temptation as anybody. Okay, second principle for dealing with temptation Know and protect your heart with the gospel. Know your heart and protect your heart. It starts in the heart. All temptation starts in the heart. Know your heart well. Protect your heart. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? What do you hear all the time in our culture? Just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Do what your heart tells you. Almost every Disney song is follow your heart. I'm not against Disney, but you know, your heart's deceitful. Your heart can sometimes deceive you. Proverbs 4, 23 through 27. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Guard your heart. Keep your heart. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from your crooked speech. And put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your feet away from evil. You know your heart. You know those areas of weaknesses that you're the most susceptible to. You need to be very aware of those particular areas of weakness. Now, why do you fall into temptation? Temptation's not necessarily bad. The temptation's not bad. How you deal with the temptation is what's bad. Now, we looked at this earlier when we talked about God not being the one that tempts us, but let's look at the second half of that James passage. James 1, 13 and 14. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So God's not the one that's the source of our temptation. Here's the source, verse 14. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Your own desire Your own heart is what lures you and entices you. So you've got to guard your heart. 
Get very well acquainted with your heart. Ask God to search your heart. One of the best prayers you can pray is from Psalm 139. You should pray this often. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, does God already know your heart and does God already know your thoughts? Can God read your mind? Yes. So are you asking God to kind of look in there and find out something he doesn't already know? That's not what you're doing. You're asking God to put the, the floodlight, the, 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 the microscope, the, 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 the exposure into your heart so that you know what's going on there. So you know what's going on in your heart. Our heart is so deceptive at times. We, ask to, we have to have God, ask God to search our hearts, to know our hearts. And how do you guard your heart? If you need to know your heart, you've got to guard your heart. Now, Mickey read this earlier, one of our elders, but I want to read it again. Psalm 119, 9 through 11. How can a young man or a young woman or an old man or what? How can a person, a follower of Christ, keep his way pure? That's the question. Answer. By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word. Where? In my heart. That I may not sin against you. How do you keep your way pure? How do you fight temptation? You store God's word in your heart. You embed that word in your heart. You saturate yourself with the scripture so it goes into your mind and to your heart. You know what they said of Charles Spurgeon? Or what Charles Spurgeon said of John Bunyan? John Bunyan was the one that wrote Pilgrim's Progress. And Charles Spurgeon said this about John Bunyan. He said, if you were to slice him or cut him anywhere on his body, he would bleed, and Charles Spurgeon made up a word, he would bleed bibline. He would bleed the Bible. He had so much Bible in him that if you cut him, what would come out was not blood but Bible. Wow. Would that be said of us? You cut us anywhere, what comes out is not blood, but Bible, because it's so much stored up in us. We've stored his word in our hearts. I've said this many times over the years, but we need to learn to preach the gospel to ourselves. Preach the gospel to ourselves. Now, what does that mean? That means that you daily remind yourself of who you are in Christ and who God is and what Jesus has done for you, fill your mind daily with the things of the gospel. You're preaching the God. You're, you're continually reminding yourself of who you are in Christ, what Christ has done. You're filling your mind with the gospel. Martin Lloyd-Jones has famously said this, we must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. Let me repeat that, okay? We must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. If your self talks to you, it's going to talk you into sin. Your heart's going to talk you into sin. It's going to talk you into ways you can sin. You've got to combat that talk that comes from your heart with talk from the gospel. The gospel has to come and combat that. So when, you're, when you begin to rationalize in your heart some things that you want to do that are sinful, when that starts percolating, you've got to start talking to yourself. And you start talking to yourself with the gospel. You've got to say, now wait a minute. That's not what a Christian does. That's not who you are in Christ. That's not pleasing to the Lord. 
You need to fill your mind with the things of God. Okay, third principle for resisting temptation. Watch carefully for oncoming temptation. Watch carefully, because it can come out of the blue. Remember what Jesus told his disciples in the garden right before he was arrested? Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray. When temptation hits you head on, you're not looking for it, it just kind of comes and hits you head on. What do you do? You immediately begin to fill your mind and heart with the things of the Lord. You immediately begin to pray. You don't negotiate with the temptation. Don't ever negotiate with the temptation. Because what will happen? The temptation will always win. If you negotiate and you talk and you rationalize, you'll probably give in to it. Instead, you need to be watchful. Don't fall asleep like the disciples did in the garden. Randy Gardner holds the record for going the longest amount of time without any sleep. You may know how long he went without any sleep. Some of you are like, I'm kind of not going on a lot of sleep right now. Don't fall asleep, please. Um, 11 days. 11 days without sleep. This was back in 1964. He was a high school student in San Diego. He was part of a scientific study which, which was with Stanford University, to see how many days a person could go without sleep without using any stimulants at all. 11 days. And eventually the body's got to shut down and you've got to sleep. So the human body needs to sleep. Do you realize sin and Satan and the world never sleeps? They're always coming at you. So when it comes to temptation, you never sleep. You got to be watchful. You got to be on the lookout. You need to be constantly, actively, fervently looking for oncoming temptation, being alert. Okay, here's the fourth principle think about the consequences of giving in to that temptation. Not only should you fill your mind with the things of the cross, fill your mind with the things of the gospel, but you need to also think about what are the consequences if I give in? What's going to happen? What's, what's going to be the, the consequence? How's it going to affect my reputation? How's it going to affect the name of Christ? What are the things that are going to come about as a result of what I'm doing here? Galatians 6, 6 7-8 says this, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he reap. For the one sows to his own flesh will also reap from the flesh corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. You reap what you sow. So before you give in to that temptation, think about the consequences. What's going to happen? Who's it going to affect? What's going to be the outcome? All right, number five, pray for help in the moment of temptation. 
Sometimes the temptation just comes. You've been on the lookout. You've been avoiding areas of temptation. You've been filling your name with the things of Scripture, but then the temptation just hits you out of the blue. You need to pray in that moment. Immediately pray for help. Psalm 25, 21. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. I wait for you, Lord. Please, Lord, help me. Help me to have integrity and uprightness. I'm waiting for you. Lord, answer my prayer. 1 Corinthians, this is the most famous one. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of, of escape that you may be able to endure it. God is faithful. In that moment, when you pray for escape from the temptation, God is faithful to get you out of it. To help you endure it. Through his grace. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When you're weak, that's when he's strong. That's when you need his grace. That's sufficient grace. And then Hebrews 2, 18, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus is able to help you. Think about this. Jesus was fully God and fully man. So he was tempted the way that we are, but yet he was without sin. So he knows what it's like to be tempted. He just never gave in because he's perfect. But he can help. He's able to help those who are being tempted. So God is faithful. God will help you. God will meet you at that point of need. God will give you the grace. But let me just give you a little warning. If you're willfully and negligently and premeditatingly, if that's a word, entering into temptation, like, okay, like you've negotiated with temptation, you know you're giving into temptation, and you're, you're walking into temptation and you've premeditated that you're going to do it, and you ask God to help you get out of it, and you don't really mean it. You're like, God, help me get out of this temptation. Please give me a sign that I'm not supposed to do this. Okay, I didn't see the sign, so I guess I'm okay. You're playing with fire. You're actually testing the Lord. Now, I'm not saying he won't help you, but that's a really a way to test the Lord by kind of walking into temptation with a premeditated desire to do it and just expecting God to bail you out. I'm not saying he won't, because he's a gracious God. But that's kind of being presumptuous. Okay, here's the sixth truth, the sixth principle. Trust in Christ alone instead of trusting in yourself. Ultimately, resisting temptation is a matter of trust. Are you trusting in yourself, your confidence, your ability? Or are you guarding your heart? Are you being watchful? This is one of the first verses I memorized as a little boy. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Trust in the Lord. Don't lean on, on your own understanding. 
Acknowledge him. Trust him. He'll make your path straight. Many times we're like Peter, aren't we? We're overconfident in our ability. We don't know the depth of sin that's really lurking in our hearts. We're not being watchful. We're not being prayerful. We're not hiding God's word in our hearts. We're not thinking about the consequences of sin. Instead, in a moment of weakness, we're like Peter. We give in to temptation because we fear man instead of fearing God. We don't trust in the Lord. Are you trusting in yourself or are you ultimately trusting in Christ alone? Now there's hope. Let's say you fall into temptation. Let's say you've done all this. I've watched, I've prayed, I've guarded my heart, I've looked at the consequences, I've asked for help, and you, you give in. Is that the end? Have you lost it? Are you going to hell? It's not an excuse to go sin your heart out, but let me give you a reminder of the hope that happens when you do sin. I love the paradox in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. Don't sin. Don't sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. John says, listen, don't sin. Don't give in to temptation. But if you do sin, you have an advocate. You have an encourager. You have a legal defense team there that's greater than, I don't know, what, I don't even know the name of those lawyers on TV you hear all the time. Is it Shanker and Shanker? Well, I don't know what their names are. <laughs> I just saw that one guy that he's all over the place, and I don't even remember his name. Um, Jesus is the greatest defense attorney that you'll ever have because he's your advocate before the Father because he died on the cross for your sins. Now, that's not an excuse for you to go out and sin your heart out. A lot of people have that attitude. I love sinning. Jesus loves forgiving. It's a great relationship. I'll just keep on sinning so Jesus can keep on forgiving. There's a real good Greek word for that, and you don't have to look it up in a lexicon. It's called baloney, okay? That's not true. That's not true. If you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. My little children, don't sin. Don't give in to temptation. Watch. But if you do give in to temptation, if you do fall, you have Jesus as your Savior. You have Jesus as your forgiveness. So let's not be overconfident. Let's be watchful. Let's trust in Jesus. Don't give in to temptation. We need humility. We need watchfulness. We need vigilance. We need to keep our eyes open. We need grace. We need power. Let's all humble ourselves today and trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And what does He promise to do? Make straight your paths. It's a matter of trust. Are you going to trust in you, your flesh, the world, the devil, the unholy trinity, or are you going to trust in the Lord with all your heart? Let's humble ourselves today in this final prayer.
and ask the Lord to give us grace to trust in him with all of our heart, to lean not on our own understanding, to acknowledge him in all of our ways, and he will make straight our paths. So let me ask you to bow your heads this morning. And if there's a particular sin that you're struggling with or there's just that temptation that, that triggers you or it's something that you always struggle with, let's just take a moment today to go before the Lord and ask for grace, ask for help, ask for Jesus and his cross. Let's just spend some time in prayer this morning being watchful, being um, vigilant, that we would not fall into temptation. Just spend a few moments in prayer this morning. Father, many of us struggle with temptation. And Lord, I don't know all the different sins that people struggle with, but I'm sure there's that one besetting sin, that one sin that just seems to be the one we can't shake. And sometimes we beat our head against the wall and wonder why we keep giving into it. Lord, help us to be watchful. Help us to be dependent. Help us not to be overconfident in our own ability. Help us to think about the consequences of what would happen if we give in to that sin. Help us to fill our minds with the gospel, with the things of you. Help us to hide your word in our heart that we might not sin against you. Lord, search our hearts. Help us to guard our hearts. Help us not to sin. Lord, help us to remember also that if we do sin, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, who died on the cross and rose again, that we might have forgiveness. So Lord, as we leave this place today, help us to not give in to temptation. There may be temptations that hit us right when we hit the parking lot, right when we get in the car. Or maybe it's this afternoon, or maybe it's tomorrow at the workplace, or maybe it's at school this week, or maybe it's after spouse has gone to bed at night and you're all alone. Lord, whatever it is, help us to have the grace and strength to resist temptation. In your power alone, Lord, not in ours, help us to trust you. Help us to trust the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, Father, we want to acknowledge you and we thank you that you'll make straight our paths. And that's what we want. We want straight paths. We want to walk in the straight path that you have for us. So help us to trust you. Help us to acknowledge you. Help us to say no to temptation. We need your grace. We need your strength. We need your power. Thank you, Jesus, that you provide it. We love you. We honor you. And it's in your name that we pray these things. Amen and amen.